Hello and welcome to this week's From the Pavilion podcast. Ollie Slack and Nathan Johns bringing it to you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Uh, this week's show was pre-recorded uh, as I'm off on holidays on uh, Tuesday. Tuesday, very, very early in the morning. Um, so we managed to pre-record the show on Monday so we could bring you your weekly fix of cricket. Nathan's alongside me. How you doing, Nathan? Yeah, really good, Ollie. Not too bad for you getting away, getting some sunshine for a week. Yeah, yeah. You meant to say well-deserved, but it's all right. Very well-deserved, obviously. <laughs> Thank you very much. Did you know we had some uh, questions left over from the quiz last week that I think we did say before the break, we'll read out after the break, and they never did? I vaguely remember you saying that, yes, but I can't remember what the questions were, but I suspect you're about to ask me them. You are correct. I can't remember if we did ask them, answer them in the end, but if we didn't, here you go. No, I don't think so. There was because there was the three questions and there was three nil, wasn't it? So yeah, it was all over very quickly, and I think yeah. we moved on quickly, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, we did. So, do you want the final two questions? Yeah, go on then. I mean, nothing against your local knowledge, but I think you <laughs> you'll do well to get the last one, given. Well, well, I have been working in Cambridgeshire cricket for the last what three months, so you'd hope something has stuck. Okay. Well, okay. Good luck. Anyway, question four you might get. Who has won the English domestic T20 competition the most times since 2003? Lancashire Lightning, Hampshire Hawks, Somerset, Leicestershire Foxes, Northant Steelbacks or Knotts Outlaws? Would you yeah, reckon? I'm pretty sure, pretty sure this one is Leicester, isn't it? I thought you said the other week, every time there's Somerset in a question, it's definitely going to be Somerset. <laughs> maybe. Maybe not when they win things, though. So what do you reckon? <laughs> well, it's who's most runners-up it would be there. If the, yeah, exactly. If the question's to do with winning, then it's not to do with Somerset. Otherwise, it is. No, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it is Leicester. Are you sure? So you're not going to go Somerset? No, I'm not going to go Somerset. I feel it's like that carrot in the box sketch when John Richardson, Sean Lockme trying to convince you. Oh, yeah. Else. That was brilliant. I'd never seen that. But you are wrong. Oh, fantastic. It's Leicester. I'd never seen that. I'd never seen that sketch. And only, it only resurfaced when, when Sean Lockme tragically passed away. And yeah. I, only, I only saw it for the first time last week. Clearly, um, I am nowhere near as canny as Sean Locke as you got it right. Question five is who won the 2019 CCA Invitation Cup? So who were the holders before Horse Heath won the tournament on Sunday? Was it Godolphin, Sawson and Abraham, Cottenham, Fulburn, Cambridge NCI or Blenheim? Now, if you get this, I'll be amazed. Oh, I should know this because I'm pretty sure whenever we were prepping to do that interview, uh, I had to look up the history of the competition, so I should know this. Can you give me the list of teams again? Godolphin, Sawson of Abraham, Cottenham, Fullbourne, Cambridge NCI or Blunham? Was it Blunham? Mm. No. No, no, it no. You rushed that. No. No, it wasn't Did bad. I? Yeah. 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 Do you want to no, know or had... do you want to keep guessing? I'll have one. Uh... No, go on. Tell me. Put me out of my misery. It was Godolphin. Was it? Oh. Yeah, Godolphin was the correct answer. Won it back in 2019 before Gary Ellis's horse thief won it on Sunday. And we speak to Gary on this week's show. So if you're interested in that, make sure you tune in. We'll chat to him later on in the programme. Anyway, might as well move on to this week's show. Thanks again, as I said, for downloading and listening in. I will be back next week, but Nathan will be doing all the heavy lifting and preparing the show. I'll be back on Tuesday just to press all the buttons and make sure it goes out to air. Until next week, stay safe and well. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio.
Hello, good evening, and welcome along to From the Pavilion. My name is Ollie Slack, and as always, alongside me is my co-host Nathan Johns. Thanks very much for tuning in to today's show. This is your local wrap of all things Cambridgeshire cricket. On today's show, as ever, we'll take you through the main talking points of this week's East Anglian Premier League and the Camden Hunts Premier League action too. Got a very, very special guest indeed. Yep, we'll be hearing from Warwickshire batter and former Cambridge CC man Chris Benjamin. Chris, of course, is the warm pack to our main event, the FTP Quiz Cup semi-final draw. We're also joined by Ed Hyde of Histon and Joe Dorborn of Eaton Soken as they prepare to clash in the Camden Hunt Division 1 playoff final. And there's some silverware to tell you about too. Yep, it was Horseheath who claimed the Invitation Cup on Sunday. Gary Ellis chats to me later on. If you want to contribute to the show, as ever you can do, at FTP Cricket 105 both on Twitter and Facebook. We're not live in the studio this week, so no point reading out the text or the emails. Social media at the best place to get in touch with us. Thanks very much for tuning in this week and also if you're listening on the podcast alongside me as always is Mr Nathan Johns. Good evening Nathan, how are you doing? I'm very well, Oliver, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Oliver, very formal. Very formal. <laughs> did, you, uh, did you make the pilgrimage to Taunton last week? I did, yep. I did the pilgrimage, yep. Although I wasn't driving, my dad had the task of driving 400 odd miles. And um, yeah, I mean, amazing. Obviously, talking about last Thursday for the T20 Blast quarterfinals. I mean this in a positive way, a really positive way. It was like COVID had never happened. Yeah, there were people walking around, some with masks on, obviously, some without. But a full house, 9,000 fans. It was it was fantastic. All all in good voice as well. I mean, I don't know if you saw the game on telly, but the atmosphere was fantastic. It looks fantastic. It looks like a hell of a lot of fun. And yeah, I suppose you got the best, as a Somerset fan, you got the best of both worlds because you managed to watch someone like Livingston whack it in a small ground for about 10 balls and then he got out. <laughs> so he, didn't, he didn't take the game away from you, but you still got to enjoy him for a bit. Yeah, I mean, it, when he when he hit those first couple of sixes over the stand and into the, the river behind yeah. the stand, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be a long day. It's going to be a long day. Oh, this drive, this drive, and then they're going to lose. But, I mean... Good, good catch from Roloff, safe pair of hands, and and then yeah, great spell from him. Yeah, great spell from Roller. Yeah, yeah. I know, and and also some performance when he doesn't get man of the match because Tom Abel, incredible, leading them home with seventy odd, and under that pressure as well, it was just was just fantastic, and so good to see the young players obviously brought up through Somerset's academy and prosper on on the big stage like a blast quarter final. It was brilliant and such a fantastic atmosphere. I think we saw. To be fair, we saw four brilliant quarter finals, didn't we? All four oh, of them. Awesome. Delivered. I mean that that knots. week. Yeah, that knots Hampshire game was crazy, wasn't it? Oh, it was incredible. What was um? What can't remember his name? Patterson was it the South African bowler at the end? Yeah. He just like he all he needed to do was bunt the bat, you know, get some bat on it and get down the other end to get Carter on strike. And to be fair, he tried to do that for three balls, but couldn't. But you know, couldn't find a gap, so he panicked. All he needed to do was just do it again. I mean, he just oh, <laughs> incredible. Um, but you know, fair play to Brad Wheel. He held his nerve, didn't he, and just kept pitching it up and saying, right, you got to hit me. Until yeah, it. yeah. We, we have been treated to some cracking white ball cricket this summer, some cracking atmospheres at, at grounds as well. 
And we're also going to be treated to some fantastic Red Bull cricket over the next few weeks as well. That's because the final stages of the county championship are underway. Warwickshire, Hampshire, Yorkshire, Lancashire, Somerset and Notts, the six teams in Division 1. There's also some local players in action as well. Max Holden for Middlesex. Rishi Patel's not playing for Leicestershire. He's injured. Mikey Pepper for Essex. And of course, how can we forget, Nathan, Chris Benjamin of Warwickshire? Yeah, he's had a pretty good week. He's made his debut for Warwickshire in four-day cricket. And on day one, he uh, scored a ton against Lancashire, 127, and he ended up on against a pretty good attack. So I can mood and Parkinson were featuring there for Lancs. Chris has had somewhat of a meteoric rise of late, hasn't he? Given at the beginning of the season, he didn't actually have a professional contract. But you fast forward to July, and after being awarded a rookie deal until the end of the season, he scored 60 not out on debut in the Blast before he was then picked up by the Phoenix in the 100, just a day after his 50-over debut. So it all happened pretty quickly. And he since played alongside the likes of Liam Livingston and Moeen Ali as the Phoenix made their run to the final, and as well as graduating from Durham Uni with a first-class honours in accountancy and finance. His form on the field was recently rewarded when Warwickshire offered him a new three-year contract. But what you may not know is that back in 2018, Chris did actually play for Cambridge Cricket Club, and Ollie caught up with him last week to chat about his time in the city and the last couple of months. Across the city and South Cambridgeshire. Cambridge 105 Radio. Chris, it's been a pretty good year. Graduation, Warwickshire contract, second 11 T20 win, T20 debut, 50 ever debut, 100 debut. I mean, the list is is endless, really. What a year it's been for you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I know. It has been incredible. I guess some could say a little bit surreal at times. But no, I've just, I love the journey. It's been a great learning experience and just hopefully the start. And how many of those that I've just read out were sort of realistic targets, ambitions at the at the start of the year? A number of them were actually, as much as they might to some people sound, they were quite big goals to get, like a T20 debut and playing 50 over cricket. They were very much goals that I had. They're goals I've been working towards for the last couple of years. Um, obviously, things like COVID haven't really helped. But no, something like playing in the 100 probably was just that little step too far for this summer, I'd sort of imagined, um, but delighted to have been able to put in the performances, to put my name in the hat and then given the opportunity to play for the Phoenix. It was very special. Yeah, and tell me about those moments when you received the news for each of them, whether it be your graduation or, or your 100 debut. Which of those was like the biggest moment where you received the news and thought, wow, that's pretty special? The amazing thing is I wouldn't say one was bigger than the other, because they were all quite big. So, I mean, getting my first-class results for my degree in accounting and finance was fantastic. Um, obviously, worked hard for the last three years for that, so that was a big, big result. Then when I found out I was going to make my T20 debut, at that current time, that was the biggest news. Just really excited. And then a couple of days later, after that knock, I got told I was getting picked up into the Phoenix squad. Um, so I was just delighted. I thought... I might not play that many games, but just to be around the team, it would be a great learning experience. And then to get selected in the team uh, on for the first game was another incredible bit of news. But probably the best feeling was walking off the field after that first game, after scoring uh, 24 not out. Um, the whole crowd at Edge Baston going wild and us winning the game. It was quite, it was, it was a special moment to have the likes of Mona Ali, Liam Livingston coming up to you and giving you a high five saying, well done, Benji, superb innings. Uh, and just all the messages of support from family and friends that I received from that. It was very special and I'm grateful for all the support. 
was going to say, has that support been important? Because that's a lot to take in. Everything I've just read out, all of those milestones are, as you said, big moments. Have you needed that support around you, I guess, to try and take all of it in? Have you have you still not really had a chance to assess and look back and review what, what you've just achieved over the last few weeks? Yeah, in the moment, it feels so sort of natural and you're just there and you get the job done. It's still, the pitch is still 22 yards. You've just got a few more people <laughs> watching you. And as I've said before, I think that helps my focus. So it definitely is the messages from sort of family and friends that reiterate how sort of big a deal or how far you've come along as such. Because to me, it all sort of feels very natural. I feel very relaxed in the environment and loving my time. But then you do have a lot of people saying, well, well I always knew playing at Lords was going to be special. But how many people are not jealous, but are so happy for you to have played at Lords does sort of reiterate how special the last two months has been. And during your degree as well over the past few years, I read that you kept cricket at the forefront. It was obviously it was really important for you to get your degree and make sure you got the best qualification you could. But you were really conscious, I guess, of making sure cricket was at the forefront. How did you go about juggling the two? Yeah, no spots done. Um, it was at times you had to get the balance right. Cricket's always been my dream since I can remember. Um, so I'm very passionate and driven in that regard. And then Durham from the outset presented a great opportunity with a world-class degree and a fantastic link to the professional game with the MCCU setup and some of the players they've produced in the past. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I always got the balance 100% correct. I guess some would say with the results I now have from both, I would. But I mean, in first year, we had a three-day game that I had to unfortunately pull out of last minute because I had an econ exam literally the day after. And I'd felt I actually needed three days to study for it. I couldn't sort of just wing it. <laughs> so that, that was quite a tough decision to make. And it was obviously very disappointing um, for myself, but also for the team. And the captain was very disappointed. But you do have to give some things up to get other things. And it's sort of been a balance of putting cricket first, putting academics first, and just making sure it's a juggling act. So at the end of the day, they've both come out on top. You seem to have balanced it pretty well over the last few weeks. Let's talk about your past, though. You moved to the UK in 2018 and you played for Cambridge, of course, in the East Anglian Premier League whilst at, at Durham Uni. Where's the connection with Cambridge? How did you end up playing for, for Cambridge Cricket Club? Yeah, so I came over summer of 2018, so April time, and then was only starting uni in October. And with the dream and the passion to be a cricketer, I wanted to play a summer of cricket in England before starting university. And the opportunity came around to play for a Cambridge Cricket Club. I'd had one or two guys helping me with a couple of different club options. But no, I chatted to Johnny Atkinson sort of over text and calling him just to get sort of a vibe of the club, what they may be able to offer, what the opportunity will entail. And the big thing was the opportunity to live in Cambridge. I thought that was sort of a one in a million chance. It'll be a great life experience. And I guess looking back, it couldn't have worked out <laughs> any better. I was fortunate enough to meet um, the Peppers while I was there. So Michael Pepper now with Essex. Uh, Chris had previously been with Essex. And they they like my second family away from home now. Um, I stay with them most summers. Uh, so I'm very grateful to both Cambridge, but also the Peppers for all the support they've given me since I've been in the UK. It's nice to hear you say that Cambridge felt like a second home for you because I imagine it's important to try and find that that place where you feel comfortable, especially considering you moved from South Africa at 
such a young age. And, you know, just looking at other examples, someone like Devon Conway, there's been lots of publicity about him recently in terms of he moved around a fair bit, didn't he, before he found that place where he was, was really comfortable in, in playing his cricket. But but you clearly found that comfortable place in Cambridge. You settled pretty quickly and you and you loved the place. Yeah, no, 100%. It obviously is so important that I had really kind, friendly people around me at the club. Um, so that made it a lot easier. So yeah, 100%. And then Durham was my home for a few years. And now uh, Birmingham with the Bears is going to be my new home. Well, hopefully the next foreseeable bit in my career. Whereabouts were you, were you staying in Cambridge? Uh, I was staying right, pretty central on Long Road. So it was a good setup. <laughs> Yeah, you had the, the nice hum buzz of the city around you as well. And growing up in, in South Africa, were you cricket mad from a young age? Was that something that you just did the minute you, you could, you picked up a bat and ball? Yeah, literally. It actually was. Um, I've always been sports mad. So whatever season it was, I was fully into that sport. I played most sports from a very young age. I went to the World Champs for Biathlon when I was about 10, 11 years old. So that's running and swimming. But cricket was always, always my number one passion. And then at high school, just with, I guess, South African schoolboy, rugby's massive. <laughs> so yeah, I played, I played quite a lot of rugby at school, mainly in the back line, first team. Uh, and then unfortunately, injury uh, meant I sort of had to give it up just to make sure I could really cherish my dream of being a cricketer. And that's when cricket sort of went to number one priority and everything else came second. But no, I still play, still play tennis, golf. Um, so still big into a number of other sports. Timing is everything as well, isn't it? It's funny. I was I was reading up online and you went for some ECB trials at Loughborough and caught the eye of the second eleven coach at Walsh Ian Westwood. But due to COVID issues, you sort of arrived late into the season. And I guess in some sort of weird way, that worked out quite nicely for you in that the minute you arrived, you had an instant impact in the T20 right before the 100 started. And then next minute, you're pulling on a Berman and Phoenix shirt. It's funny how it works out like that sometimes. No, it, it, it's actually bizarre to look back at how many things, timing and luck sort of had to fall in place for it to work out. And I've had a lot of people sort of asking for advice, youngsters now, how I've broken through, what to do. And there are obviously things, work hard, dream big, I've said. But you do need that little break. I know I was with Essex for two summers. My first summer, I felt I did really nicely there. Um, and I was quite disappointed when I didn't really get offered anything. But I completely understand. They had the best team in the country. They had a really, really strong squad. They had um, two full-time wicketkeeper batsmen on the staff. And then they had Will Butterman, who had just been the top um, academy player in the country. So there, I'd done nicely, but the timing didn't quite work. And then fortunately, I did nicely at Warwickshire and the timing worked and it sort of all clicked into place. So... No, you spot on their timing and a bit of luck you do need in sport. <laughs> What's next for you then? What's next for you then, Chris? Is it franchise cricket around the world? Because anyone who does sort of well in, in white ball cricket in England seems to get a gig elsewhere. I also know how important red ball cricket is to you as well. So I imagine you'll want to finish the season strong with, with Warwickshire. Yeah, so we've got um, the T20 quarterfinal on Friday down in Canterbury versus Kent. And then I think we've got four more four-day red ball games and... As I'm sure you've heard me say, that's a big part of my dream and my ambition. I'd love to play Test cricket for England. So I really hope I can get into the Red Bull team at some stage this season um, and then try cement a name and a spot for myself there. Uh, and then, yeah, going to the winter, I am looking 
for a few of the franchise options potentially, <laughs> but not too many as still need to work on that Red Bull as we've discussed and stay grounded. <laughs> I'm not sure we'll need to be given much advertising on our radio station for you to get a few uh, franchise gigs, mate. I'm sure they'll be calling you ASAP. Yeah. Just lastly then, looking back now, what sort of grounding, what foundation did your, your time in Cambridge give you? Do you still keep in touch with the lads now? Yeah, very often. No, it was a great grounding. It sort of allowed me to ease into going to university a lot a lot better because um, I'd, I'd been here for five months. Um, I'd made some good friends and I still stay in touch with them loads. As I said, I, I live in, well, I've lived in Cambridge for the last three summers. Um, so for the start of this summer, I spent most of my time there before making the move to Birmingham uh, to Perth Warwickshire. But no, I still speak to lots of the lads very often. Yeah, and given, obviously, as I've said, the Peppers are like my second family. I stay in contact with them a lot. And yeah, Michael's one of my best mates, so we stay in contact a lot. Chris, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Congrats on what has been an amazing, amazing summer and hopefully your success continues throughout the winter as well. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All the best. Well, what a pleasure it was to chat to Chris Benjamin last week. And <laughs> he said he's hoping to, well, improve his Red Bull, his Red Bull status, his Red Bull form. And he's certainly no harm in doing that this week with 127 for Warwickshire against Lancashire. In, of course, the Group 1 of the County Championship now. Warwickshire, Lancashire, Somerset, Notts, Hampshire and Yorkshire, the six clubs vying for the trophy. Of course, they've got underway with their opening games this week. It was a pleasure to chat to Chris. You can catch it again if you missed it on the Cambridge 105 Radio website, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Cambridge 105 Radio. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Welcome back to From the Pavilion. Now it's time to draw the semi-finals of the FTP Quiz Cup. Yeah, much anticipated, isn't it? That's what you've all been waiting for. I've got my uh, headphones bag here. We've gone back to the, the budget the budget draw with my headphones bag and some scrunch-up bits of paper to complete the semi-final draw. Just to uh, clarify, the four teams who are in the semi-final draw, of course, were Eaton Soken, and Graham Duff has uh, been fantastic for Eaton Soken so far in both round one and the quarterfinals, defeating... Foxton and Wisbeach. Then we have Sauston of Abraham, who are number two. Nick Griggs has been brilliant again for Sauston of Abraham, defeating Bluntersham. And Histon last, I think Histon was a uh, Sauston of Abraham Histon was a couple of weeks ago, but of course Histon have great pedigree quizzing wise in Cambridgeshire. Ed Hyde, who's on the show later on, is a, a, a frequent quizzer, a badger as they call him. And uh, he won our New Year's Day quiz a couple of years ago. But Histon crashed out, Sauston of Abraham. Needingworth are also in the semi-finals. They are number three. Scott Walton for them, defeating Saffron, Walden and Islam so far. And then completing the semi-final lineup, we have City of Ely. Tom Beaumont representing them, defeating Cambridge. Johnny Atkinson of Cambridge and Longstanton, James Minot last week, who, to be honest, it was a it was a whitewash to fit him 3-0. James, I don't think, was really concentrating. He had his pads on. He was at the nets and, uh, and Tom eased through. Who have you been most impressed with so far, Nathan? Well, it was James until his uh, his escapade at the nets. <laughs> I mean, the, the, his first appearance was when he, he was a ringer, wasn't he? He was just on the show anyway, and we he just was. dragged him in when the guest didn't turn up. But then, like you said, he didn't really take it that seriously in the next round. So uh, he kind of undid his good work. Yeah, he did. One of our guests didn't. I don't, I don't think that's happened too many times. Is it just maybe twice we've had 
people not turn up? I think for the quiz, it's been pretty good, hasn't it? That's the only yeah. one I can remember. The yeah. James Milo incident. Yeah, of course there was uh, there was another instance as well where you had to fill in, but we won't oh, we won't delve into that too much. No, there was yeah, and I had probably read the questions about half an hour before the quiz, and I still got the most of them wrong. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, it's just, it's just oh, it's just one of those things. You you haven't even had had the chance to put me under pressure yet. I haven't had the chance to to quiz. Hopefully it won't happen, and uh, and we can just draw the semi-finals. They'll all show up. They'll all show up for the final, and we can crown a winner, and it will run really smoothly. Well, you'd think at this stage of the competition, people are going to take it seriously enough to show up. You'd hope so. Nick Griggs did say of Sultan of Abraham that the first team captain, Dan Heath, might step into his shoes and oh, wow. take the baton because he's eyeing up some silverware. But um, haven't heard anything yet. As far as I know, Nick will be will be taking part in the semi-final. Should we do the draw, then? Go on, then. So I'll be dipping my hand into my uh, bag here in front of me. And uh, Nathan, if you could uh, clarify who the ties, what the ties will be, and who is playing who, that'd be great. Thank you. Of course. Are you ready for? I'll say ball number one. It's not a ball, but we'll just say ball for argument's sake. Out the hat is da -da -da. number four. Who's number four, Nathan? I believe number four is City of Ely. That is correct. City of Ely out first, and they'll be taking on. They will be taking on in the semi-final, the first semi-final. That's like finals day, isn't it? They will be taking on number one. Eaton Soken. So Tom Beaumont against Graham Duff. City of Ely against Eaton Soken. City of Ely against Eaton Soken. Of course, Eaton Soken in the playoff final this weekend. We'll be having to get to another final. And semi-final number two. Be an interesting concept, wouldn't it? The FTP quiz got finals day. Just do it all in one. Yeah. It'd be a very long, be a long show if we did three quizzes. It would, yeah. I don't think people enjoyed the quiz well at all, really, if that much. Yeah. And also, there is actually some local cricket to talk about, which we will get onto later on. Ball number three is number three, Needingworth. Scott Walton. This is just formalities. Now we know who will be taking on number two. Which is Nathan? Number two is of course Sawston and Babram. Yep. So the the champions elect really of the APL. I think we can say that Sawston and Babram taking on Needingworth of Senior not One. Champions, not champions elect of the quiz. No, no, that's true. That's true. Yeah. That's Much true. more importantly. Yeah, of course. That's that's the real prize they're they're eyeing up. Sawston and Babram almost over the line in the East Anglian Premier League title race. They take on Needingworth of Senior one, testing my knowledge here. Eaton Sokum of, of course, Whiteland Partners Division One, taking on City of Ely, which I believe I think City of Ely is senior one as well. So um, some some decent ties there. It's sort of David versus Goliath in both Eaton Sokum Source and the around the bigger clubs against City of Ely and Edenworth, who won't mind me saying the the, the slightly smaller clubs. But uh, that's the semi-final draw. So next week we will have to have to due to the the scheduling and that we only have two shows left to both semi-finals so it will be City of Ely against Eaton Soken and Needingworth against Sawston Babram looking forward to it Nathan can't wait I from the pavilion on Cambridge 105 radio so it's time to round up the local game now, starting with the Men's East Anglian Premier League. Now, if you remember, 
Last week, we told you that Sauce Nob Abraham needed just 27 points from three games to secure the title. Well, that equation is now down to 15 from two, as Cambridge somewhat spoiled the party on the weekend, beating the league leaders by three wickets, and Swardston also defeated Sudbury to move into second. Sauce Nob Abraham batted first at home and set a target of 239 off 50 overs. Aaron Thomason top scoring with 74. In reply, Dominda Ranawira was once again in the runs. He and Johnny Atkinson both scoring half centuries to see Cambridge over the line. Sauston Abraham did at least take seven points from the result to nudge them closer to the magic tally they need to be crowned champions. Saffron Walden were at home to Horsford and managed to come away with the win by a margin of 32 runs. 259 for seven, propped up by a magnificent unbeaten 113 from Zabaya Hamza, proved to be a sufficient total for Walden as Alex Pearson took four wickets of just 5.5 overs with Horsford being bowled up for 2-2-7. Burnlexing were unsuccessful at home to Mildenhall as the visitors put together an impressive chase of 231 for the loss of just two wickets. Earlier on in the Burnlexing innings, four players notched 30s but could not kick on to help post a commanding total. So as we said, Sauston Babraham failed to secure victory but do remain at the top of the table, 36 points ahead of Swarston, who are now up to second. Just a reminder, 15 points is all they need to secure the title from the remaining two games. And they get bonus points for every 25 runs after 150 runs scored. And also for every two wickets as well. That is, of course, if they don't get the 15 points from just winning games, which is at 25 points. So one win would do it. Cambridge are still in sixth, with Saffron Walden one spot behind them, while Burnlexing are now bottom of the pile, two points behind Horsford. Next week, we have another local derby, as Cambridge are at home to Boa and Exning. Walden are away to Swarston, so could do Swarston and Babram a favour, while Swarston and Babram themselves have a chance to secure the title away to the side that for so long have been neck and neck with them at the top. At one point, Great Witchingham were top of the league earlier on in the summer, but of late, their challenge has faltered somewhat. So it's Sauston Mabram against Great Witchingham, a big game this weekend. As we said also, Walden could help them out if they are to beat Swardston. Time now for the Cams and Hunts Premier League, of course. And there was just one last game left to be fulfilled before we moved on to playoff action. And that came as St Ives beat Cambridge. So that left the final league table as follows, the top four, the four who went through to the playoffs, of course, Eaton, Stoken, Histon, Fox and Wisbich. St. Giles in fifth missed out, and they are followed by March, Stamford and Ramsey in sixth, seventh, eighth, respectively. And then the bottom two, ninth and tenth, St. Ives and Cambridge. Of course, those two sides were the ones who played that last game. Of course, we do have those playoff semi-finals to tell you about now. Histon were battling with Eaton Soken for top spot in the league all season long, so it's no surprise really to see them through to the final after a crushing 10-wicket win over Foxton. Alex Turner's 77 was the top scorer of Foxton, 160 all-out in the first innings, but any hope of a successful defence quickly vanished as the Histon opening pair put on somewhat of a show. Kieran McKenzie ending up unbeaten on 76 of 63 balls, and Yusuf Chowdhury not far behind on 73, not out of 51. Losing skipper Alex Hooley spoke to Ollie earlier on in the week. We got to Histon, having played them the week before in the last league game of the season, on the same wicket. We knew it was going to be a good batting wicket. Our intention was actually to bowl first. We'd have won the toss and then hopefully chase down whatever uh, they set us, but they won the toss. We ended up batting. And really, we just batted very poorly on, on, as I say, a good track. They bowled 
very tight. I don't think they could see the single wide. And um, yeah, unfortunately, we just, yeah, we gave our wickets away. We just couldn't quite get a big partnership going. Realistically, we're 100 short and they made 160 look like 60 um, and won by 10 wickets. So really disappointing end to the season. But ultimately, as I said to the boys at the end, try and look at the season as a whole for the club at first team level. You know, we've done well in the league and also getting to a national court final. Um, so I think we can hold our heads pretty high. Yeah, just firstly on the league, are you happy with how the, the season finished with the playoff format, the top four going through to semi-finals and the final over the last couple of weekends of the season? Yeah, I, I think it's a brilliant format. Probably the best new addition to the kind of rules of the league. Keeps so many more teams involved for so much longer. It kind of adds this kind of big crescendo to the season as well. So I would thoroughly endorse keeping it for next season and, and seasons to follow. You know, there are a few teams who finish with table who maybe their season was dead towards the start of August. But really, most teams had a lot to play for going right down to the end. So, yeah, really good format. And how have you found generally being first team skipper this year, having to juggle really two sides for the majority of the season with your run in the National Village Cup to the quarterfinal and competing at the top end of the of the Whitings Div 1 as well? Yeah, it, it, it's been really tough. Got to be totally honest, Ollie. You know, I think club cricket generally is just struggling a little bit to kind of encourage people to play on a regular basis. And effectively, you know, as a club, on a lot of uh, weekends, we were having to put out three teams because obviously a first and second team on Saturday and then a, a Sunday team as well. People have got other stuff in there going on in their lives. And like obviously the country's reopened quite a lot since the start of the season. So people go on holidays and it has been a massive challenge. But, you know, we've... With the work of a number of people around the club, you know, mentions people like Adam Webster, Ravi Mahendra, Hayden Brown, second team captain, we've been able to put sides out, which is, you know, testament to, to their persistence to get players. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a struggle, but we've made it. One more week to go for the twos. Yeah, and again, shows the, the quality in the side and how well you've done that you've managed to compete so well on on both of those fronts. And as you said, in the in the twos as well. Glad to be putting your feet up for, for the next few months, Alex. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's strange the cricket season because you know you get you're in April and everyone's very keen. The weather's not great, but you're keen. You get to August, like fatigue kicks in, and you know there are other there are other distractions. So you get to this stage and you're actually relatively happy that it's all over for a little bit. But um, but as I say, one more big weekend for the club with the second team. So yeah, hopefully they'll they'll pick up a win and uh, stay up. And joining Histon in the final are tabletoppers Eden Soken who are through after seeing off Wisbech by 93 runs. Eaton Sokin were bowled out 201 in 49 overs. Jonathan Carpenter top scoring with 93. Both George Gowder and Josh Porter took three firsts, but Wisbech in reply, they were largely undone by a magnificent spell from opener Joe Dauber and his 4-31 the pick of the Eaton Sokin attack. More from Joe in just a bit, but now here's Wisbech's captain, James Williams, who isn't as convinced with the playoff system. Yeah, it has been good, to be honest. It kind of cuts out those dead rubber games. You know, if you're in that position, not not fighting to get in the, in the top spot or if you're not fighting relegation, then it could be quite a few dead rubber games. So actually, you kept playing all the way to the end of the season. If I'm perfectly honest, I'd love to see this league go back to 12 teams and get more cricket in. League season shouldn't finish on the 21st of August. It'd be great to have some more cricket going on through into September, although day like today it's freezing cold I want fancy playing but yeah I, th- I think we should be promoting more cricket we want these guys to be playing more cricket and but you know the playoff it gave people a, f- a few more competitive games so there's good and bad things about it 
could you still have the playoffs with with 12 teams as well would that not work it could do but i think you to try and fit in the, the playoffs the semi-finals and finals and then if teams want to go in the eapl playoff finals i think you'd be struggling to fit it in but i think he's looking at and I like the idea, but I think we sh- we should be playing till a little bit later than the third week in August. But for you though, I could say sneaking into the the top four, it looked pretty tight in the end in, in the league table. You must be really pleased with how your side fought right until the end to secure your yourself an extra couple of weeks of cricket. Yeah, that's, that was our goal at the start of the year. We said we want to make playoffs. We feel as though we're a team that should be in that top four and uh, and try and extend our season as long as we can. We, we're a club that want to play as much cricket as we can over the summer and trying to get in those playoffs was was key. So, yeah, it's great. At one point, start of the season, I didn't think we'd get there, but probably from that halfway point, we've, we've played some really good cricket and boys have performed really, really well. I couldn't be proud of what the boys have done so far this year. Yeah, the last three years, you've finished outside the top four. Was it a good hallmark of, of the progress you've made this year that you managed to get into that fourth spot? Yeah, I think so. We have been poor the last couple of years. Obviously, last year was a bit different with COVID year. We, we lost a couple of players and we were playing a few youngsters in there and giving them the opportunity in the year before. We were just <laughs> really rubbish. <laughs> and yeah, do you know what? We we know what we can do as a team. We've got some fantastic cricketers and some youth and some experience. We know that we should be in that top four. So yeah, we, we're really pleased at how, how people have performed, new people have performed and, and the old guard have performed as well. Just regards to Saturday, the playoff loss against Eaton Soak in 108 all out trying to chase 202 just I guess disappointing after a pretty positive season it managed to finish in a, a flat way yeah do you know we thought that that was under par we thought it was a good wicket we bowled fantastically well some young you know Josh Porter coming in who's only bowled left arm spin for the last couple of weeks and you know he bowled fantastically well George Gowler again another young lad who's bowled fantastically well all year we thought we were well in the game and I think we were 60 for none at one point and we, we thought we were well in the game and thought we, we could control it. But, you know, certain things happen and unfortunately we we didn't step up. So fair play to Soak and they've been top of the league all year and, and probably deserve to go through to the final. And looking at the bigger picture, Willow, in terms of the club, four Saturday teams that you try and put out each week as first team captain overseeing it all. Has it been a tricky task this year or has it been relatively easy? Oh, do, do you know what? You have, you have your good weeks and you have your bad weeks. I must admit we've probably had more good weeks than bad weeks. To put four teams out in a far away Fen Town like we are. It's a fantastic achievement. And, you know, you look at some of the city clubs that struggle to get two teams out, we're, we're really pleased with what we do as a club. We've got, we've really grown our youth section over the last year and we've rebranded it. And, you know, a lot of those youngsters are playing in the threes and fours. That's a really big emphasis from us as a club to get those youngsters playing adult cricket as early as they can. They haven't, you know, fours, fours I think, have just managed to stay up. Uh, the threes got relegated and we're not fussed about those performances where they are as long as they're playing cricket and adult cricket and, and learning their game. You know, it's, it's fantastic to see. So, yeah, we're, we're really chuffed with how, how we get four teams out each week and, and put performances in. Looking forward to resting up over the winter. Yeah, I don't know what to do now on a Saturday. <laughs> might, have to, might have to take the misses and little in away for the weekend. <laughs> Lucky them. Yeah. Great stuff from Willow. A reminder, Histon Eaton Soken, the Camden Hunts Premier League Div 1 playoff final is this Saturday, the 4th of September. Now, Division 2 action. Newmarket and Old Lesians have overtaken Dunham at the top of the pile, thanks mainly to Newmarket seeing off the former league leaders by 74 runs in a remarkable game, really. Newmarket themselves were bowled out for a low total of 150, but an incredible bowling performance, largely from Martin Dunham, with his 6 for 11, bowled Dunham out for 76 in reply. 
Leesians beat Kimbolton by seven wickets to also take maximum points and stay level with Newmarket at the top. But of course, the one caveat to all of this is that Blenheim down in third do actually have a game in hand on both sides above them. And that comes against bottom of the league, Foxton. And a win there would guarantee them the top spot at, when things are all said and done. And then in Division 3, Sauce and Baburn were briefly overtaken at the top after South Hill Park beat Wisbech by nine wickets. But of course, there was a bank holiday game yesterday and Eaton Soken scored, a Sauce and Baburn rather, took on Eaton Soken and they scored 316 for eight of just 45 overs. Mark Pearson hitting 153 off 110, as that really was a remarkable total. And Eaton Soken replied with bowled out for 116, meaning a commanding 200-run win for Sauce and Baburn and they are Division 3 champions. In other matches, and starting in the Women's East Anglian Premier League, Triplo weren't in action this weekend, but that was only because Mildenhall conceded against them, so they've got another 25 points added on to their title charge. In terms of the CCA Cup Finals, well, it was the last of the four on Sunday. Horsethief taking on Abington at Exning, and what a final it was. Horsethief defeated Abington by 65 runs after they batted first and posted a mammoth 287 for four of 45 overs. Daniel Goldsmith top scoring with 184 from 142 balls, hitting 17 fours and 10 sixes. Incredible. Abington managed a respectable 2-2-2, but were bowled out inside 42 overs. I caught up with Captain Gary Ellis, who took a fourfer, ensuring the club picked up a long overdue piece of silverware. After a few, quite a few years, but I think it's about 35 years since Horseheath won a major trophy as such. So, yeah, very good. Uh, good friendly game. Uh, Abington were good and on the whole, it was a, a nice day. How did you celebrate? We had a few beers in the pub up the road before we, we all headed off. So, yeah, we, uh, we've we got a game in a couple of weeks' time, which is at home. So, we'll be celebrating. Uh, we'll have a good celebration then, I think. Yeah, I bet. And playing on a bank holiday weekend meant you could have a proper celebration too. Playing Sunday, didn't have to go to work on Monday. Not many teams have been able to celebrate their cup wins like you did on Sunday. No, no, I don't have to go to work. Well, there's always work to do. But yeah, no, I don't have to go to work as such. So yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's It was a good game and good victory. And Dan batted exceptionally well. Uh, and so did Matt Morley. But, and I don't know what they put on, but they must have put on a, a 200, 200 plus runs. So, yeah, that's the sort of set us up, really. We bowled well and uh, kept it tight as we could. And, you know, when you're chasing 300 runs, break it down into 15 overs. You've got to score 100 runs every 15 overs. That's some going. So, yeah, we just, just kept nudging away, breaking partnerships up and managed to uh, keep them down. So, yeah, it was good. It was good on, on all bases, really. Yeah, it was a really, really good performance, both of the bat and ball, but particularly with the bat setting the game up. Gary, why is Daniel Goldsmith playing in, in Senior 2? And I mean that with the greatest respect. He he is a, a run machine this season. He's a run machine every season. He's like <laughs> I say, uh, he, he used to play for Thurlow and they folded so he came over to us because he used to play against us. But it was his 50th hundred yesterday, including I think it's three or four double hundreds as well. He's done it throughout his career, really. Uh, to score 50 or, or even 10 hundreds is pretty good, but to get 50 hundreds is... It's quite an achievement. Once he got to 90, he had, didn't give a chance once he got to 90. Once he got over 90, he'd give four or four chances and they didn't take him. A couple of hard catches, a couple of easy catches. But after that, when he's there, he was out second from last ball, 184. It was pretty good going, really. And it wasn't like he just got over 100. 
after they no. dropped him. He put on another 90, 94 runs once he got past 90, so incredible stuff. But I guess the fact that he plays for yourself, Gary, with all due respect, the fact that you've only got one team at Horsef, but you're able to put in such strong performances, not only in the league and get promoted, but also in the cup competitions as well, just demonstrates what a great team camaraderie there must be, how well you must all get on. Yes, absolutely. It's, it shows the team spirit. We had uh, one player drove, drove back. He's on holiday in Yarmouth. We drove back from Yarmouth for the game yesterday. And me and my son, Ollie, he was opening bowler. We were in Birmingham on golf weekend and we missed the last day to drive back to make sure we got a decent enough side to, to compete in the finals, which is what we wanted to do, really, because we finished second to Abington in, the mid- in our midweek, Haverhill midweek league. Uh, we finished second to Histon in the on Saturday, so the cup game on the Sunday was our last chance to get in a bit of silverware and, you know, it, it takes some doing. And when you've only got 14 players, really, 13, 14 players, you lose a few, it does show, but we always seem to fight together and uh, play as best we can. We play to win, and but we play fair. And now you can spend the winter as a skipper polishing that nice-looking trophy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's... Uh, <laughs> I was looking on it last night. My dad picked it up in 64, I think it was, or 65. Oh, wow. 50 years later, thereabouts, 45 years later, I've done the same. So it's a pretty good game. So congratulations to Horseheath winning the Invitation Cup on the weekend and, of course, Senior 2 promotion as well, all being well. Great story at the end there with Gary being on the trophy, as was his dad a number of years ago as well. So congrats once again to Horseheath. Up next, we're talking more about silverware, or the potential for silverware, as Histon take on Eaton Soken in this weekend's Camden Hunts Premier League Div 1 playoff final. Cambridge 105 Radio. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Yeah, welcome back to From the Pavilion here on Cambridge 105 Radio. Ollie Slack and Nathan Johns with you until 7 o'clock this evening. A reminder that you can also catch it on Apple and Spotify podcasts on the Cambridge 105 Radio website if you've missed it. Right, let's talk about the Camden Hunts Premier League Division 1 final then. As we said earlier on, Histon against Eaton Soken. It's the top two. Eaton Soken finished top of the league phase. Histon finished second. And rightly so, they will take each other on in the playoff final this Saturday. Joining me from Histon is Ed Hyde. And joining me from Eaton Soken is Joe Dorborn. Evening, chaps. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, Joe. How are you doing, Ed? All good, Ollie. Good to see you. Yeah, good to, good, to, good to see you as well. Uh, Joe, firstly, how excited are you for this weekend? I bet you're, bet you're buzzing. I bet you can't wait. Yeah, very excited, especially after getting a good win on Saturday. It just makes it, we're all as a team looking forward to it now. Ed, what about you? Yeah, we can't wait. Obviously lost in the playoff final last year, so hopefully we can amend that this year. And Ed, we were talking earlier in the show about the playoff semi-final results and two pretty comprehensive wins for both of you and then of course you two being the top two largely throughout the season so it seems like the best two teams have gotten to the final yeah I think so I think Eaton Saken have, have been the best team the most consistent team and we haven't been too far behind so yeah I think that the, the four teams that got through were the, were the top four so, and it could all beat each other on their day but yeah we were we're looking forward to playing Eaton Saken on Saturday Joe, I suppose you agree as well that the best two teams are in the final yourself yourself being top. Will you will you feel a little hard done by if you don't win this weekend, having won the league phase of the of the of the season? Me personally, no. I quite like the format that we have because it just creates a bit more 
you know, it makes it better for the whole league because you've got teams that finish fourth can still get two extra games and compete with winning it, which I quite enjoy. But I know other people have a different view on it compared to me. But no, I think, you know, it's coming down to one game and winner takes all. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with it, to be honest. Ed, what are your thoughts on the playoff system as a whole? Yeah, I agree with Joe. I think it keeps more teams involved for longer throughout the season. And, you know, the semi-finals and the finals playing cricket under pressure, um, I think it's a good test for, for teams and individuals. So, I'm, yeah, I'm, I agree with Joe. I'm a big fan of it. Ed, the form of, of Histon's been a bit, I wouldn't say scratchy because you finished second, but it, I guess not up to your usual highest of high standards of the sort of second half of the season. But you must be pleased, therefore, with how you did in the in the in the playoffs semi-final to overcome Foxton by such a margin. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I've, I've, it's probably been our batting that's been a bit patchy and a bit up and down, especially away from home over the second half of the season. So yeah, it was actually really pleasing to to win quite comprehensively on Saturday um, by ten wickets. Um, our openers did a really good job, and hopefully that that sort of that performance has settled everyone down ahead of ahead of Saturday. Joe, for yourself, your semi-final victory over a Wiz Beach. I was speaking to Willow earlier on, and he was saying he, he thought sort of two hundred one was was not really the most competitive total, but you must have been really pleased having bowled them out for one hundred eight and winning by ninety three. Yeah, it was a bit of a strange one because we were nineteen for three, so we were a bit of a sticky situation. And then Jamie and Johnny batted really well, and then we got a, we got a platform probably to get us to two forty two fifty, and then. As soon as like Jamie got out, we had a collapse, which left us probably 30 short of par, I'd say. And then they got off to a flyer. They were 60 odd for none. And I was at that point, I was thinking, you know, we've, we've messed it up here. But then luckily, I think we got probably four or five wickets for not many runs and then kind of just managed to seal the game out, really. Joe, you've got the home advantage on the weekend. Is there anything you can take from that? Yeah, I think especially playing Histon, I think... Any other team, I don't. I'm not too worried about going there to play. But I think Histon know know their ground really well, so they're a hard team to go to Histon and beat. What about you, Ed? Playing at away at Eaton Soken, have you had much success there in the past, or is it a ground that you dread going to? Uh, we haven't had much uh, success there in the past, to be honest. I can't remember whether if we've even won in the past few years. Um, so we do struggle playing on slightly less batter friendly pitches I'd say so I think yeah there probably is there is a there is an advantage for Eaton Soken there playing at their home ground but we have played there numerous times we know what to expect um, we've got a you know reasonable idea of what a good score is and things so yeah it's, it's gonna there's gonna be no surprises come Saturday and Joe lastly from you I know you're a big fan of the the playoff system so presumably this is exactly what you've been waiting for all season this is the showpiece event that the playoffs brings yeah, exactly. And I think, like Ed touched on earlier, it's probably the best two teams over the course of the season there. So it's quite a fair reward to both teams. Will both of you be going into the East Anglian Premier League playoff two if you win or or not? Joe? So as a club, we're going to try and go... I believe there's another playoff game against the Norfolk and Suffolk winners, but as a club, we're going to try and go for it, yes. Ed? I actually got no idea. Um, <laughs> you'd, you'd, you'd have to you'd have to ask uh, one of the one of the senior guys. I think that's all right. That's all right. Try and get you down off that fence next time you come on the show. 
Uh, Ed, your big question this week. You haven't been on. Well, you were on earlier in the season, actually. Um, but uh, you're on with Alex Hooley, and we gave Alex the honour to uh, to ask the question. So it's your turn this week. What is it? Yeah, so it's just on the back of uh, Ted Dexter's death um, last week, and he was just described as a great innovator uh, within the game of cricket. So my my big question is, how will the game of cricket innovate in the next ten years? Is this specific to players in terms of, say, how can batsmen and bowlers or just the game in, in general in terms of formats or, or individual players? How can they improve? I guess mainly on players, but it could also encompass things like um, equipment or grounds or whatever. Um, yeah, so it's cricket in general, I'd say. It's a good question because we were speaking earlier on today and, and said that batsmen nowadays, they're almost complete, aren't they? they? They can hit 360 and there's not really much else. It doesn't seem to be much else for them to be able to develop or do in in the game. Joe, as someone who's taken loads and loads of wickets this season, what's uh, what's your thoughts on, on where you feel individual players can develop most in the next 10 years? Well, I think, like you just said there, the batsmen, it seems to be, they seem to be ahead of the bowlers. So I'm not sure if there's something as bowlers that we can do to try and keep up a little bit more. Because um, like you say, they hit 360, they've got every shot. So as a bowler, do we need to develop the next level to keep up with them to make it a fair playing game, a fair game? Do you think bowlers, Joe, will real have some clarity, have some real clarity over what to bowl at the death in, in white ball formats in over the next few years? Because at the moment it is really pitch dependent and... And it's it's varied across the board. Some people say bang it in, others will just go for their Yorkers and some will obviously try their variations in their, their slower balls and their cutters. Do you think over the next maybe 10 years we might see one of them just being nailed week in, week out and that becoming the go-to at the death? See, I think that's a really tough question because like, if you back a Yorker and someone scoops you for six, it's like, <laughs> like what, what can you do? Um, but I think it's pitch dependent as well, whether you're going to bowl a lot of slower balls or batsman dependent as well in so I think it's just you've got to have a good set of skills and be able to use them as and when you need them if that makes sense so rather than being one dimensional as a bowler bowling at the death you have a set of skills that you can chop and change if you need to to keep the batsman guessing yeah absolutely Nathan what's your thoughts on this it's an interesting wasn't it isn't it because you know what developments come top down from the pro game into the club game and, and what is vice versa because you know, there's a lot of things that can easily be done in the program in terms of, you know, making the ground slightly bigger to help bowlers out and things like that. Maybe things like that can happen in the club game um, or, or and the different types of skills get tend to get developed up there as well. So uh, it'd be interesting to see whether, you know, they do things like that and that leads to any any divide between professional cricket and club cricket or not. Ed, do you reckon we'll see roofs on a, on cricket stadiums soon? I don't know. I potentially. I don't see. Uh, don't see a lot. They've done it with tennis and and things like that. Um, I read an article about uh, someone suggesting you should sell lords and use the money gained from from the sale to build a stadium with a roof just outside of London. Really? Um, I'm not. I'm not sure that would that's going to happen anytime soon. But yeah, it stop a lot of games. Stop a lot of days being lost to the weather for sure. Mm-hmm. Very quickly on that, one of the big bash stadiums in Australia has a roof, don't they? The, the Renegades play on a roof and Aaron Finch has hit, hit the roof a few times and you get six if you hit it. So, I mean, that's that's just playing at a, at a rugby stadium, isn't it? Rather than playing at a cricket stadium. So maybe maybe we get drop-in pitches at rugby stadiums at roofs. I don't know what this, uh, the Principality in Cardiff, that has a roof. So maybe maybe mm. you get some 
2020 games in Cardiff with the roof with the roof closed. Who knows? Maybe, maybe. Do you reckon you could hit the roof, Joe? You could absolutely bomb Not a six chance. onto the roof. No chance. <laughs> I beg to differ. I definitely could. <laughs> we 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 might we might get a glimpse of that maybe on Saturday when the both of you play each other in the playoff. Guys, thanks for coming on the show tonight. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers, Alex. that's all we've got time for on this week's From the Pavilion podcast thank you very much for tuning in by the time you're listening to this I'll be on my sun lounger hopefully by the beach but thanks very much for tuning in I can tune in on the podcast just as you can although mine will be at a much more sunny location probably anyway we're on Apple Podcasts Spotify Podcast, the Cambridge 105 radio website too we'll also be back next Tuesday 6 o'clock on Cambridge 105 radio don't miss it thanks again for tuning in until next week stay safe and well bye bye